It doesn't normally happen this way. Usually the attorneys get about 24 hours notice, but there it was. Posted to the State of Connecticut Judicial Branch website, the Supreme Court Advance Release Opinions. Two cases, numbers 20139 and 20138. Henning versus the state and Birch versus the state. Whatever was on the other end of those web links could change the lives of these two men forever. But let's back up a bit, a lot actually. The year was 1985, a vicious crime inside a home in New Milford, Connecticut. That's a blend of small town and country living in the western part of the state. A 65-year-old man named Everett Carr murdered. The victim was stabbed 27 times, his throat slit, his head bashed in. The blood was literally everywhere, on the walls, the ceiling soaked into the carpet. A burglary gone wrong, police said, zeroing in on Sean Henning and Ralph Ricky Birch, who were homeless teenagers at the time, burglarizing residences in the area. They were eventually convicted of the murder, the testimony from forensic expert Dr. Henry Lee helping to put them away. That testimony and Dr. Lee will eventually become a key point for both prosecutors and defense attorneys. For three decades, Henning and Birch, who were 17 and 18 years old at the time of the killing, maintained their innocence. Last October 2018, they finally had their day before the Connecticut State Supreme Court. We were in the courtroom that day as their attorneys laid out their side of the case. Fast forward to this June 2019, that website I mentioned earlier, with the Supreme Court advance release opinions. What is on the other side of those web links has in fact changed the lives of these two men forever. I'm Dan Bowens, and you are listening to The Tape Room, a podcast on the Fox 5 Podcast Network. Here, we take a look back at some of the tri-state area's infamous or unsolved crimes. On this episode, a major break in one of our cases, the new Milford murder. The 1989 murder convictions of Sean Henning and Ralph Ricky Birch tossed out by the Connecticut State Supreme Court. Those are the words these two men have been waiting for, fighting for, for nearly three decades. In making their case, those attorneys for the two men back in October argued the original convictions were based in part on false statements about blood on a towel that turned out not to be blood raising serious questions about that testimony from Dr. Lee, who went on to gain international fame as a forensic expert during the O.J. Simpson trial. After the new decision came down, tossing out the convictions, we re-interviewed Andrew O'Shea, the defense attorney for Ricky Birch. He explains why justices determined if the court knew about that inaccuracy from Dr. Lee all those years ago, things would have been different. The state knew that that testimony was false. And uh, thankfully in our country, you're not allowed to convict someone based on knowing false evidence. And um, they also said that it was significant enough, the, the nature of that evidence was significant enough because of the importance of Dr. Lee's testimony to the conviction that it would result in um, the, essentially the writ being granted, ordered to be granted. They're not finding that there was any perjury on the part of Dr. Lee, that he knew what he was saying was false, um, but they did say that it, you know, at the end of the day, it was false, just as the lower court had had agreed. Um, and, you know, that obviously that's disturbing and very problematic. Um, um, but, 
but once it's once it's concluded that it's false, the issue, the legal issue was, um, did Dr. Lee need to know it was false in order for there to be a constitutional violation, or is it just that the state itself needs to know that it was false? And the court concluded that it's the state that matters, not not Dr. Lee or a witness and what they know. And um, then they went on to say, then the next question is, okay, if there was the use of knowing use of false testimony, the next question is, was it prejudicial? Was it reasonable likely that the outcome would be different? And they went through all the evidence in the case, pointed out how weak the case was originally and how important Dr. Lee's uh, testimony was to shore up the massive hole in the state's case, which was the fact that they had no forensic evidence, all the forensic evidence uh, either is exculpatory or does not um, point to uh, Ricky or Sean. The Connecticut Supreme Court was very clear in the decision. They didn't believe Dr. Lee knowingly told a lie, but he, quote, should have known that the bathroom towel had not been tested for blood. He was wrong, bottom line. Dr. Lee is 80 years old now and has a forensic science institute named after him at the University of New Haven. Back in January, we caught up with Lee for an interview about this. He insists presumptive but non-conclusive field tests of the towel were likely the basis of his testimony. Lee even called a press conference a few days after the cases were overturned, saying basically what he told us, that a field test showed the towel could have had blood, but added more tests should have been done at the lab. He didn't explain why those tests weren't done. On top of all this, DNA testing done decades after the crime also showed a third person, likely female at the scene, but nothing linking Ricky and Sean. They again were homeless teenagers at the time, and they admittedly were burglarizing residences in the neighborhood. But there was never any sign of their DNA found at the scene, in their car, on their clothes, nothing. Again, defense attorney Andrew O'Shea. They've been fighting for over 30 years to clear their names. Uh, when you read the sentencing uh, of Ricky from the day that he was sentenced, he was saying, I'm so sorry to the victim's family that this happened. It was a horrible murder, but I didn't do this. You have the wrong guy. And he's been saying that for decades and to finally um, have some relief from this injustice that's been perpetuated over the years is just, I mean, it's enormous to them. It's, it's life-changing, obviously. We interviewed Birch from prison before this new decision. I asked him about this possibility that he could get out, that the Supreme Court could agree mistakes were made resulting in his incarceration for nearly 30 years. Inside, he volunteers with the hospice program, also spending time working with dogs that will help soldiers with PTSD. After all these years, though, he says he's found a higher power, and to our surprise, is it bitter? Since I've turned over my will to my higher power, my life has gotten way better, even though I'm locked away in prison. I'm no longer locked up in my mind like I used to be. The defense attorneys and both Ricky and Sean insist the real killer or killers have never been brought to justice. They could still have legal hurdles ahead. It's unclear at this time if the state of Connecticut will retry this case. The Tape Room is part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dan Bowens. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Matt Onimus. Our executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Ahmad Asgar. Byron Harmon is vice president of Fox 5 News, and Lou Leone is vice president and general manager. 
stay tuned for the next episode of The Tape Room.